subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Pikimai, kakimai, and welcome to our changing world. From Radio New Zealand National. We're off to catch an ocean-going robot called Manaya. Manaya is an autonomous ocean glider that has just spent two weeks at sea, yo-yoing between the surface and deeper waters and travelling about 500 kilometres along the coast. During its journey, it collected data on the ocean's temperature, salinity, oxygen levels, light and turbidity to draw a picture of what Niwa oceanographer Joe O'Callaghan describes as the clouds in the sea. I joined Joe, Fiona Elliott and the crew of the research vessel Ikatere on a trip to retrieve Manaya after a successful mission. Hi, I'm Andrew, skipper of the Ikatere. We're just leaving Mana Cruising Club now and our destination is the southwestern end of Kapiti Island and we're just on our way out there to retrieve the glider. We're heading out to uh, Kapiti Island, off to the west of Kapiti Island and we're going to pick up the glider that's been in the water for nearly two weeks. Can you describe the glider to me, just what it's been doing for those two weeks? So a glider is a, an AUV, so it's an autonomous underwater vehicle, which means that rather than being on a boat sampling the ocean, we're sitting at our computers and navigating or telling it where to go. We're sending it positions and we're, we're sampling the ocean while sitting at our computers. So it's quite a, quite a neat and exciting uh, way to sample the ocean. <laughs> and it talks back to you at some point? That's right. We're sending it to do profile. So a yo is, it goes up and down, essentially, like a yo-yo. I was going to say yo is a half a yo-yo, Yeah, so it? a yo. So it goes, it does a yo-yoing profile, and it makes a number of these, and then once it's completed, say, eight yo-yos, it comes to the surface, and then it talks to us like you would talk to someone on a telephone, your, your cell phone. And rather than telling you about your day, it will be telling us where it is and what sort of data it's collecting. So while it's in the ocean... Is it just passively gliding with currents or can you actually navigate it or steer it a certain way? The glider has a horizontal speed of about 0.3 metres a second and a vertical speed of about 0.2 metres a second. So we are in control of where it's going. We send it waypoints just in a text file. That gets uploaded to the glider and it uses its own internal processor to work out its bearings. But the only time the glider actually knows where it is for sure is when it's sitting on the surface and it has direct communication with the satellites and it can triangulate where it is. So as soon as it leaves the surface, it uses uh, its processor to work out where it is via dead reckoning. Um, so it basically it calculates where it is based on its pitch and the water speed and quite often it comes to the surface and is in a 
entirely different place to where it actually is. Um, but it actually uses the difference between where it thinks it is and where the satellite says it is as a um, calculation of the water speeds. So it will use these past water speeds it's calculated to, um, I guess, correct its calculations for its next profile so it can be a bit more accurate. So as the guider goes along, it gets a bit more accurate at calculating where so it is in the world. Autonomous and learning. Yeah, yeah, it's teaching itself to a certain extent. <laughs> what do you want from it? I mean, obviously, as, as it beams back, you can track it on the map. But what are you mostly interested in? Is it particular current patterns or what depth of the ocean? The key thing we're trying to learn about is what the structure of the ocean looks like below the surface. We have had satellites circulating and giving us global maps of sea surface properties, but what we're trying to understand from these sorts of technologies is what's below the surface. We look up in the sky and we see different cloud patterns on a different day, and that's what the ocean looks like, but we just don't have the same amount of data to compare or, or to know what that variability is. And it is variable, but the glider is, can go out and sample for a long period of time, but it also samples in a different way to when you're sampling from a ship. So it's it's doing these yo's and it's collecting much more or higher frequency data. So much more often is it collecting samples uh, in, in both space and time. So we can just get a you know just so much more data and, and that will tell us about how variable it is. Is it collecting any other data? I'm thinking salinity, density, temperature along the way? Uh, sure. So I, I guess I've been describing it like a mobile CTD, so it collects temperature, salinity and pressure, but it also has the oxygen uh, and also some biological sampling, so turbidity and fluorescence, so that can tell us about where phytoplankton are, are living in the water. And so if we can tie them all back together, we get an understanding of the biophysical coupling of ecosystems, which, which has implications for understanding uh, higher up the food chain, so fisheries and also what whales are feeding on. So it's understanding you know, the, the lower food web and the physics driving the lower food web. How does it actually travel? The glider is driven by a buoyancy engine. Basically, we spend a lot of time when we have it back at Niwa trying to make it as neutrally buoyant for the target conditions as possible. So when we come out here and put it in the water, it's going to be the same density as the surface layer. And then uh, there's a buoyancy engine inside the glider and that can change the volume of the glider and therefore the buoyancy of the unit to make it more dense or less dense than the surrounding water. So That's a bit like a swim bladder in a fish really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I guess it is that same kind of idea. So when we decrease the volume of the glider it makes it more dense than the surrounding water and it starts moving downwards. Uh, at a speed of about 0.2 metres a second. And this vertical motion is converted into horizontal motion. Sorry, that's the glider calling us. That's the glider calling us, so that's how yeah, you hear from it. Yeah. Uh, so this vertical motion is converted into horizontal motion uh, by the wings that are really attached to, to the side. <laughs> yeah, it does. It wants us to know it's here. So that's the only thing that's driving the motion of the glider is a change in density of the glider. So there's no propeller that's pushing it through the water, it's just, you know, simple physics. Okay, you ready, Gary? Yeah, not much of a wrangler. Hey, hey Titus! Boom, 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 boom! Great!
watching that from the side of the boat, it looked like a very elegant retrieval. Were you happy with that? Oh, it was a great recovery. We Every time we, we recover, we learn a little bit more, and so it was very smooth, and uh, the conditions out here make that easier as well. It's quite a nice day too. Pretty perfect uh, day for it, really. Yeah, yeah. It, this is as good as it gets in Wellington, so it was a great recovery. So now that it's up, talk me through the glider. Where is the part of it that gives it that buoyancy control? Okay, so the glider is its a little bit like a torpedo. It's a metre and a half long. And at the front, it has a wet section. There's a piston behind the wet section which pushes water in and out, and that changes the volume of the glider. And that allows the glider to be more or less dense, and that's the, the vertical sinking action. Uh, it has a couple of wings on it which uh, stick out to the side, and that, that transfers that vertical motion into a horizontal motion. So it's, it sort of dives at an angle of about 25 degrees and it dives quite slowly and, and moves at sort of 0.3 metres per second, so about half a knot. And how much has it travelled so far on this particular lap that it's just done? Okay, so it's just done a, a lap. We deployed this two weeks ago and we've picked it up and it's done nearly 500 kilometres. All of which you've been able to track, so you've got data for all of that. That's right. That's the horizontal distance it's covered in that two weeks and it's also done vertical profiling, so it's done around 500 profiles in that two-week period. And so we have a picture now of what the structure in temperature, salinity, oxygen looks like for this part of the world. We've retrieved it from nearby Kapiti Island, but can you give me an idea of the region that it's covered during this lap? Sure. So we deployed it not far away from here. It took a little tiki tour through Cook Strait, uh, past Fisherman's Rock, and then near Brothers Island. It headed west out of uh, the Cook Strait narrow section and then it went northwest for around eight days. And so if you imagine where Cape Stevens is, where the end of the Marlborough Sounds, uh, it was around 15 kilometres north of Cape Stevens. And that was when we turned the glider around to come and collect it. Was there any unusual encounters along the way? Any calls from fishermen going like there's something strange and yellow on, in the water? Uh, I, I didn't hear anything, so no. <laughs> That would be the first lap, so for you to get some meaningful data, you'd need to keep going back and back again. Well, what's the plan for it? This deployment off of Capiti was to figure out some things around the technical aspects of the glider, how we pilot it, how we do what we do at our computer and what, how the glider responds. And also, I mean, we're getting some very valuable data as well, so, you know, it's a win-win, really. The next deployment for the glider, it will be off the northeast shelf, so in May of this year... There were some moorings deployed off the northeast shelf, eight across the shelf. Uh, so they're fixed in space, and we will be going and taking the glider back and doing th uh, three more transects before those moorings are recovered to get an idea of what the ocean is doing or what the ocean looks like away from those moorings. So they're, they're fabulous, and they'll give us a very rich data set about those locations. But the glider will be able to uh, travel, you know, the order of four or 500 kilometres each time and give us a spatial picture uh, away from those moorings, so that they'll be very complementary pieces of data. Now, it's an autonomous glider, so it should be independent, but you're watching it quite frequently. <laughs> yes, it was very exciting and nerve-wracking for the first little bit. We sent it off, and it calls us every two hours, so we know where it is, and uh, it was amazing how quickly I got into a two-hourly cycle to know, oh, the glider should be up, I'll go and check my computer. And sure enough, you know, within a few minutes, there it was, and I could see it, and I could, the data would start downloading. So it, it was... Um, day and night, Day I'm and saying. night, yeah, so all hours of the day and night. It was, you know, I don't have a teenager, uh, but uh, I can imagine that you're waiting for your teenager to turn up, and, and that was what it was like some nights.
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, is this glider part of a, a bigger fleet, a global fleet? So this is the first glider for New Zealand, and uh, it's a manufactured by a company in the US, and these, this company, Teledyne Web, they make them, and lots of different oceanographic institutes have them. But then this one will be deployed in New Zealand waters on New Zealand specific projects. That's right. Yes. So so the idea is we will focus on the continental shelf, so shelf waters from you know the order of 50 meters depth, so water depth, 50 meters out to 5 or 600 meters. So we'll be capturing that that part of the ocean that isn't captured by other types of uh, equipment like Argo. When you deployed it 2 weeks ago, and you were just talking about that worry that you develop about watching it every 2 hours and wanting it to beam back to you. Were you thinking that it would give you a smooth retrieval? I'm very excited to see it. I know that's what they do. You deploy them, you recover them, but I didn't expect to see it again. That was Joe O'Callaghan and Fiona Elliott, who are both at Niwa. You also heard from Ikateri skipper Andrew James. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, you can find more stories on our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash Our Changing World. Matewa. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.